Go ahead and open up to the book of Hebrews tonight. Open up to the book of Hebrews. If anyone was caught by surprise by that, that means you hadn't been here in a while. So uh, go ahead and open up to the book of Hebrews. and We will begin. We had a great meeting Friday night before I begin our sermon tonight. Uh, had 24 adults, I believe, show up um, inquiring about uh, becoming a member of the church at Pecan Creek. And I'll talk with you briefly about that more toward the end of the service. But a wonderful time of fellowship. It was over at 815 and uh, no one picked their kids up till 915 that night from child care over there. So I don't know if you just really enjoyed each other's fellowship or the fact that you had no kids for a few moments and did not want to go get them. But it was a good time, a good time of fellowship. Appreciate all you that that came out. I know several families were wanting to be there and simply just could not due to scheduling. So we'll talk with them later about that. And I'll address that toward the end of the service as well. Uh, let's review quickly. We're, we're going through the book of Hebrews and it has been a wonderful, wonderful journey. Just going through it kind of verse by verse, looking at this and looking at the passage and seeing what God has for us. Just a quick review. We looked here Last week, about the great high priest has come. He is superior to all earthly priests. He has ultimately and supremely fulfilled the role of the high priest. And we saw that we compared him to earthly high priests. An earthly priest would represent Israel. They had the, the, uh, the names of the tribes on their shoulder once a month. They would, uh, once a year, we looked at the Day of Atonement. They would bring the blood into the Holy of Holies. Uh, the holy place was divided up into two sections. The curtain was there to divide it. Only the high priest could actually enter in. And only after he had performed all of his priestly duties of purifying himself for his sin. And then, then sacrificing for the nation. And then once a year, he could go into the Holy of Holies. The Ark of the Covenant was there. And, and the cherubim and the presence of God above it. But he could not even look directly at it. He still had to light the incense, put the smoke. Because he is still a sinner. No matter what he did, he was still a sinner and he could not go into full presence of God. So all these steps had to be taken. But now the ultimate high priest has come. So we reviewed, we touched on this a little bit last week. We'll come to it again in a couple of weeks as we go through the book of Hebrews, even in, in more detail. But the ultimate high priest has come. The Old Testament was an arrow that was constantly pointing forward at this coming one, this coming Messiah, the ultimate one who would fulfill not only the prophecies of the Old Testament, but he would also fulfill these typologies of the Old Testament, these shadows that were pointing to this one that was supreme that would come. And here we see this in the book of Hebrews. I've titled this series simply, Jesus is Greater, and he is the greater high priest. Why? Because he made the ultimate sacrifice. He brought the blood of something beyond the blood of a, a lamb that was raised on a field nearby Jerusalem. He brought the blood of himself. He brought his own sacrifice in through the curtain, into the full presence of God, and not just the earthly tabernacle, not just the earthly temple, that he actually took it all the way through to the heavens. And our high priest has represented us and is in the full presence of God Almighty. So this is our hope that that our great high priest, as we look back here in, in chapter four, verse 14, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. If we look just over, just again, quickly reviewing Hebrews chapter five, verse nine and 10 and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him being designated by God, a high priest 
after the order of Melchizedek. And we looked at that, that his priesthood is actually superior to the Old Testament bloodlines of the Aaronic priesthood, those from Aaron and the Levitical priesthood, that his priesthood actually precedes that, that he is the eternal priest that is from God. So so we have a priest who is one of us, just again to summarize here, chapter five, we have a priest who is one of us, who is also God, is sinless. He presents the perfect sacrifice for our sin, represents us perfectly, and is always and forever our high priest. We can now come into the presence of God through God, who has become our perfect and greater high priest. So there is a great joy. There is a wonderful rest here that goes far beyond what the Old Testament saints trusted in. This this man who was also a sinner and everything that he had to do to purify himself and to sacrifice for them and to go once a year into the presence of God. The one who represents us, true believers, has gone all the way in. The curtain is torn and now we can go boldly into the presence of God. Something the Israelites could not do. When the law was given and God's presence fell on the mountain, no one could go near the mountain unless they would to die. Why? Because they were sinners and God was holy. But now we have one who has represented us before God and that now we can go to the throne of mercy boldly. We can talk to him on a daily basis. We can speak to him. And when this life is over, we know that we immediately go into the full presence of God. Why? Because our high priest has made the way for us. Our high priest has gone in. Our high priest has represented us and has made the sacrifice to forgive us of our sins. So there's a wonderful joy in knowing this. And, and the author of Hebrews here is letting us, letting us know this so that we can rest in this. He is writing to primarily a Jewish audience, so they would be quick to pick up on all these references to the what we now call the Old Testament and to the, the priesthood. All right, let's read, if you don't mind, uh, uh, let's look at chapter 5, verse 11 through 15, then we'll come back through and look at it in a little bit more detail. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Um, so, well, um, let me just go all the way through and I'll come back. About this, we have much to say and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For through, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again. The basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Let's pause there just a moment. If we go back up here to verse 11. About this we have much to say. It is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. About this, what is he referring to here? He's referring to the fact that Jesus is the eternal source of our salvation. That he is the great high priest. He is letting them know I should be able to speak to you with these things and it should be easy for you to grasp. You should know the scriptures well enough at this time that you should be able to understand these things easily. But instead, he says that they have become dull of hearing. Now, I've looked in my research this week and looked at many commentaries, original languages as well. And um, uh, believe it or not, ladies, this verse is not only talking about your husbands. All right. When it comes to dull of hearing. 
I know I get accused of that a lot as well, but it is a dole of hearing that is similar to that as far as there is a speaking that is going on, a communication that is going on, and it's just not quite resonating with the other individual. And this is what we have here. There is a dullness of hearing. If we look back at Hebrews chapter 2, 1, remember the passage where it says, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. So he is challenging them here to get back into the word of God. Dwell on it. Let it sit in you. Study it. Know it. And he's calling them out, saying that they have become dull of hearing. He would like to teach them on a higher level. He would like to teach them all these things he wants to teach. But they have become dull of hearing. Um, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. If you want to turn the page over there. He says, therefore, holy brothers, you share in a heavenly calling. Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. Again, this, this verse, when we look at this one, is consider Jesus. We, we have a tendency as human beings to drift away. We get distracted with the world. We get distracted with what is immediately in front of our eyes. It could be good things. It could be your yard needs mode. It could be your job. It could be your children. It could be your spouse. It could be many good things. It could be charitable work. But we're constantly called here. And the writer of, of Hebrews is saying, saying, don't drift away. We must dwell on these things. Consider Jesus, as he says in here in Hebrews. It is letting this resonate within you. How do we prevent this dullness of hearing? We get into the word of God. Now, sometimes people misunderstand this. And, and sometimes I've seen this, and perhaps you have too, that there are people in our day who, who constantly are listening to and wanting to hear the actual the Word of God come to them. But we're considering here the Word of God as the Word of God. And the best direction and the best place we can go to actually hear from God is not just in the quietness of your heart saying, God, speak to me, God, speak to me, but is actually going to his word and looking at his word and what he has revealed to us. A famous gentleman by the name of John MacArthur. Many of you have heard of him, a, a theologian, a pastor, a, a great speaker. He's written many commentaries as well. He's been in the ministry over 50 years and people always ask him, how do you hear from God? And he says, I've never once heard from God except through his word. And this is where we go to to study his word. Uh, years ago, in the early 1900s, there was a, a movement of people that, that began to look elsewhere besides this word to hear from God. And that movement kind of began to spread. And, and even in the conservative churches where people began to look elsewhere to hear from God and elsewhere to get direction from God and, and to look to God and to hear from God in, in the quietness of their mind. And quite often... That is simply our subconscious or our conscious speaking to us. And truly, we think we might be talking to God and we're talking to ourselves, which is not good. So again, the best way to hear from God is to study God's word. I have a person I knew I grew up with for years and, and uh, he began to think that way. And before long, he began to think that way so much that he would not do anything until he felt God told him to each day. So days he would spend in bed. He would not go to work, even though he had a wife, even though he had a family, because God did not tell him to get out of bed yet. And so he would operate this way for some time. It literally drove him insane. So where do we go to to hear God's word, to prevent ourselves from becoming uh, uh, 
dull of hearing. It is in the revealed word of God. This is the word of God that we have. I'll look at, uh, if you don't mind, you can turn there, the book of Psalm 119. And keep your finger there in the book of Hebrews as well. But we look to David who had this, this desire to in hunger for God's word. And, and the more you study God's word, the, the less dull your ears become. And uh, he had this desire, and this should be our passion as well. If you look at Psalm 119, verse 9 through 16. David says, how can a young man keep his way pure? He looks around at the evil of his day and asks that question. But he answers it right away. He says, by guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So he is, he is devouring God's word and he's storing it away in his heart. And what is the result of storing this word in him? It is, it is preventing him from sinning. It's a great benefit of studying God's word, getting God's word into you, being here tonight, hearing God's word. Verse 12, blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. What does this mean? He knows God's word so well. He stored so much into his heart that now it is coming out of his mouth. He has memorized God's word. Verse 14, in the way of your testimonies, I delight. As much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes and I will not neglect or your version might say, forget your word. This is a man. This is a great place to go to. Who should we be? What should we be craving? The opposite of dullness of hearing is what we see here in David who desired God's word, who devoured God's word, sought after God's word, stored it into his heart. It came out of his lips. It was on his mind, in his heart. Verse 16, I will not forget your word. But as we do not do these things, we will find ourselves becoming dull of hearing. I have, I have this, you can flip back to Hebrews now, but I have this passage up there for you. We look at 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So, how do we become sharper in our hearing? How do we become productive in life for God? What are we supposed to be doing? It is God's word. Look at this, to be equipped for every good work. How can we be equipped for every good work? By getting into the scripture, by studying God's word. It is not a secret. It is not a mystery. If we want to hear from God, we get into God's word. More of God's word. Unfortunately, as people become dull of hearing, and begin to be in tune with the things of God, they often will go where the preaching and the teaching of the church has the least emphasis on the Bible. Let me just reiterate that point as I came across it here, uh, that, that oftentimes as people become dull of hearing, they perhaps will leave a church where the church is really pouring the God's word out and delivering God's word for a easier message uh, that that does not hurt them that does not sc even scratch at their sin does not deal with the sin and they leave just feeling happy about themselves but those who seek after God's word want to go where God's word is taught where God's word is emphasized because this is what feeds our soul what, where else can we go what else can we eat to feed our soul except the word of God even as a preacher I have to deal with this as well 
what will I preach each week? Uh, will I deliver milk or will I de- deliver meat? As this passage says, uh, some preachers use the excuse that their members are spiritual babes. So they only deliver milk, as this passage just went over. The only problem about that is for you continually to only give a congregation milk, then what will you end up with? You will end up with a congregation full of spiritual babes who have not grown up, who are not growing up. So even as a pastor, I look at this passage and think, what am I delivering? Making sure we are getting the milk, we are getting the foundation out to young believers, but also making sure that we are getting meat out as well to feed the mature souls, to keep them growing in Christ as well. So verse 12, look there with me. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. These believers had been saved long enough That by this point in time, they should have progressed. This is the natural uh, path, the pilgrimage of Christians, is that we do not get saved and stay in that exact moment of knowledge and, and of resistance to sin and pursuit of holiness to God. But all these things should begin to increase, that there should be a pursuit of God. As Paul says, he is a runner and he is going as fast as he can. He's going as best as he possibly can. He is making progress. He is moving forward, that he is not stagnant. But here the writer of Hebrews is saying that, that they've become stagnant. They have not grown. They should be on into adulthood. By now, they should be spiritual adults who are helping raise spiritual babes. But instead, they are not. Instead, their growth has been stunted. All they are relying on is just the milk. They have not progressed in their knowledge of the Word of God. What is the best way to increase uh, and grow spiritually? Again, it is the Word of God. If we want to grow spiritually, we devour the Word of God. If you think about it, those that have been in your life in the past or even currently who, uh, who are making the greatest impact in the kingdom of God, those who live the holiest life, those who resist temptation, those who share the gospel, uh, who is it? Odds are it's those who rely on the word of God, who are in the word of God. Why? Because this is our meat. This is our nourishment for our soul. If we don't want to be malnourished Christians, We get into the Word of God. We devour the Word of God. A great benefit here on uh, verse 14 is that solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Uh, We live in a relativistic society where there is nothing wrong under the sun, it seems. Whatever you want to do is absolutely fine with you. And who am I to judge? And who are you to judge? And anything you choose to do is absolutely fine. It's ridiculous. There, there, There is no more law in the land. It's whatever you determine is right is right. And if you determine it's wrong, then okay, but don't interfere with me. No, that's not the way we as Christians operate, though. We understand that God is absolutely holy. We understand that God is righteous and that he has ordered a certain way for us to live. What is the best way to know how God wants you to live? It's not by leaving it up to guesswork. There are many believers today who are truly Christians who do not study God's word. 
And, and, and not that they all are, but I'm, but I'm talking about a true believer here. I believe there are true believers who are, whose growth is stunted, as we say in, here in Hebrews, who do not read God's Word, and they leave their Christian walk and discerning what is good and bad and what they should do in life, the direction they should go, based on their own inclinations and what they think they should do instead of going to the Word of God. But if we want to live a holy life, if we want to be able to be discerning and know the difference in good and, and evil, then what is the best way to do it is to study God's Word. And the more you get in God's Word, the more sin looks dark, the more sin looks evil, and the more light you're producing in your own life as well. So this is a great benefit. So why would we not do this? We do, do not want to be as they were. A uh, question for you tonight is... Uh, where are you on the spiritual growth chart? Um, what are you, where are you right now? If, if the author of Hebrews was looking at you and was, was talking to you right now, uh, what would he say? Would he be treating you as a spiritually mature person or as a spiritual babe? Are you feeding on the, the meat of God's word? Are you studying God's word? Are you growing? I will say this, I won't spend long at, on it, but I was saved as, as a young man. I was saved at nine years old, went to church all of my life. Uh, Sunday mornings and we were at a church for Sunday night, Wednesday night, everything that was going on. But it was in the sixth grade that that something radical happened to me. And this was what was so radical that changed my life and, and changed me forever is that I was in a little Bible study at a church camp with six other students around. And our leader gave us a little piece of paper that said, if you would like to commit to spending 10 minutes a day with God, five in prayer, five in reading God's word, then sign this and put the date by it. He kept a copy and I kept a copy of it. I put it in my Bible and we were supposed to commit to do this on the bottom. It said for the next 30 days, I will spend this time with God. Months went by. I was sitting in my little church in Gurdon, Arkansas, and I, I, I thumbed the Bible open just because I was not even paying attention to the sermon. And, and this little note drops out. And I looked at that note. I, Trey Talley, promised to spend 10 minutes a day with God for the next 30 days, five in prayer, five in reading God's word. And I felt so convicted. Months had gone by, and I hadn't spent one second in God's Word. And I'd committed to do this daily for 30 days. And it was this whole new conviction that came over me. And I thought, what kind of Christian am I? You know, I can't, I can't even spend time with the one who saved me. Uh, and it's been months, and I haven't even opened this Bible until now. And only now, because the preacher was kind of boring that day. And then just conviction came over me. And I said, all right, this is it. Right now, in the quietness of that pew, no one, no one else knew what was going on. But I recommitted to try to do this. And that was in the sixth grade. And that habit ended up never stopping. 30 days turned into 60, 60 and 90. Years go by, and still to this day, uh, that, that time eventually went up and up and up. Uh, more so, but it's time with God Every single day. And you'll find a, a sign of spiritual maturity is a longing for God's word. It's an application of his word, a desire to share his word with others and an increased ability to discern good from evil. So the benefits are getting in, of getting in God's word are just innumerable for, innumerable for us. This is what we rely on for our meat, for our food, for our nourishment, our power to resist temptations. So as David, what should we do? We should store it. We should 